Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is the awesome Jim Knight, culture icon and author of the recently released Leadership That Rocks. Coming up on today's show... Jim quotes some of the great philosophers. When things happen, you look at it as an opportunity. It's a layer. You know, if I can quote Shrek, you know, it's like onions. Phil comes to terms with his age. I'm gonna, I've got to stop saying the wrong side of 40. I'm the right side of 40 now. And Jim cracks a joke about statistics. When people start to throw out statistics, you know, we make up stats like 82% of the time, right? All that and so much more as we chat about Jim's latest book, Leadership That Rocks, as well as just generally chew the fat on all things about leadership. Jim chats with so much passion around business and life intelligence, and I do my best to keep up with him at every turn. As a result, it's a chat laden with golden nuggets from what is this year's must-have business book, and I'm very grateful to Jim for that. Don't forget, we launch a brand new episode each week telling the amazing and always amusing stories from hospitality, so please remember to like, subscribe, and review on whatever platform you're listening. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. Today I'm delighted to welcome back a previous guest and I think it's fair to say friend of the show who's only gone and written another book on another wonderful subject following up his previous best-selling book, Culture That Rocks, with this year's must-have business book, Leadership That Rocks. So I am thrilled to welcome back to the show, or should I say stage, the ever-colourful Jim Knight. Uh, I love it. Thanks, Phil. I'm I'm excited. I don't know how many repeat guests uh, you have on the show, but uh, I am yeah, honored, my friend. Well, actually, this is your third time because you did uh, appear on one of our um, our specials as yeah. well, where we were. Um, it was for Hospitality Aid. I remember. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which, I should be running uh, the show now at this point. How come I'm not? Yeah, you're on the, the team co-host. <laughs> well we'll talk about that later <laughs> all right is there any pay involved that's all i care uh no um, oh, i'm out yeah yeah i thought <laughs> i thought you probably would be yeah um so how are you anyway i'm good my friend things are things are swimming i mean over here across the pond and uh i am just absolutely loving what we're doing from a business standpoint and just thrilled with uh some of the products and things that i've, I've been engaged in so thanks for asking they're uh, they're stellar Wicked. Yeah. And are you, are you still in Florida? I am. I'm in central Florida. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Super Seems hot. to be you, um, you very kindly introduced me to, to Jeffrey Shaw, who we had on the, the show a few episodes back yeah. talking about the self-employed life. And I think he was in Florida as well. Does anybody live anywhere else in the USA? No, all speakers, authors uh, are based in Florida. That's it. We're not allowed out to the other 49 states. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. Jeffrey's Got you. about uh, three and a half hours south of me. He's in Miami and I'm in the Orlando area. But uh, yeah, he's amazing. That guy's great. Ah, uh, for sure. I, I thought I could have chatted to him all day and I had so, so much good feedback from listeners around not just the content, but he's just got such a lovely way about him, hasn't he? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. He's become good friends and we've done a little bit of work together as part of his book marketing as well. And I've just come to to really know and love that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand why. So before we get into the book, I'm I'm keen because you're obviously in a, a slightly different part of the world from, from where my kind of normal listenership and guests come from. What's the what's the view from the States? At the moment, notwithstanding any international political issues that are going on, but um, how's uh, how's the COVID recovery going? 
You know, it's uh, it's hit or miss. I mean, depending on when somebody listens to this episode, you know, we were everybody was coming out of it. It seems like it was just about finished, uh, you know, maybe a couple months down the road. And then you've got this crazy Delta variant. So I live in a state in in the country where it is running rampant again. And, you know, to some degree, people just we act like it doesn't even exist. <laughs> you know, right. there are people running around. There's no social distancing and people don't really want to wear masks and and uh, the governor doesn't want people to wear a mask and all that's good. And I, you know, for some and for others, it probably scares the heck out of them. So, you know, the yeah. country's going through a little bit of some learning second time around as to what people are going to accept or not accept. But, you know, I believe again, just, just like in your country, I think we're extremely resilient and we're going to come out of it just fine. It just might be a little bit longer now and there's going to be a little bit more angst and, Unfortunately, there will be some people that will lose their jobs and their lives around all of this. And, and that part is tragic and unfortunate. But I do think that, uh, you know, this will be behind us, you know, hopefully within the next six to eight months. Fingers crossed anyway. And it affects yeah. me because as a professional speaker, I mean, that's how I really make my living in addition to writing. If yeah. there's no events, you know, we're, I'm in trouble. <laughs> so I need people to get back to some semblance of normal life and conferences happening so they can hire some keynotes to come out there and do some some speaking yeah i i, I can only imagine and and notwithstanding the fact that you know you're you are and i'm not blowing smoke up your backside here you are an awesome speaker oh thank you brother i've watched a few videos of yours around the culture piece um obviously which you you've you wrote your your previous book around and obviously there are some culture elements in your in your book which we'll get into shortly as well yeah but i always remember that video that you you posted around the fact that you you literally you take one person out of an organization at whatever kind of level that's at and your culture's changed and i had to that point never thought of that as such a basic principle but actually totally get it totally can see that it's actually such a simple idea but actually it's it's genius in the simplicity basically yeah. Yeah. And, and I think in that video, I mean, I, I do that quite often from the stage if I'm doing a culture session for sure, saying that, you know, one person does make a difference in the culture. And to your point, if it's the new guy and they've only been doing something for, you know, two, three weeks and then they leave, whether I leave on my own or you take me out, it doesn't really matter. I still made a dent in the culture. But if you're an executive, if you're the founder or the president, the person who started the thing and you leave, then it's massive, broad sweeping impact yeah. and influence that just, it, it just changes the whole game. And so, you know, my whole point is that people come and go all the time. And if you could hold on to those people, you're going to have the culture that you wanted, but it doesn't work like that. People really do come and go. So there's got to be this major focus of hiring and retaining those rock stars so that you can get to the place you want to get. You want to get to Nirvana. Yeah, Absolutely. And that, you know, you, you sum up perfectly. One of the reasons I love listening to you and love reading what you do is because of this constant reference back to music. Yeah. Uh, you're obviously a music fan. We know that from having chatted before. But yeah, the, the musical references throughout the book, I mean, th this book's no different. Of course, we're, we're the title of the book, Leadership That Rocks, you also managed to get in amplifying in, into the uh, the title as well with your take your brand's culture to 11 and amp up results and you know you're still with the musical references 
Yeah, you know, I love using the musical references, and I'm going to continue to do that because that's my background. You know, I do have my music degree, as you know, and I spent 21 years at Hard Rock. So that that spirit of rock and roll that I've been dunked in for so long just sort of seems to resonate. And I still think that people like music and that orientation and the band and brand analogies. I think it serves me well in helping with uh, storytelling. Even when it comes to leadership, I think it works for people. Ah, uh, totally. Because I, 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 so many people relate to music, you know, I, whatever type of music that may be. And yeah, to bring that in, and that's kind of, that's your thing, yeah. right? You know, that's what everybody knows you for. That and the hair. Yeah, well, of course. But they <laughs> kind of go hand in hand, don't they? Yes. <laughs> You've definitely got rock and roll hair. Yeah, so, well, let's get on to the book. Sure. So where did this come from? You know, I, I started, I, I didn't think I was going to be able to write another book. And to be honest, Phil, I'm not even sure I had another book in me. You know, I thought when I had written the hardcover color premium book that was Culture That Rocks and and that book, you know, although it's been out now for about eight years, has, has been great for me. And uh, I think I got to a point that there were one or two people that had made some comments, good friends of mine, who said, you know, the thing is quite dense, meaning you've got a lot of information in there. You've packed a lot and it's a little autobiographical. It's a little bit about hard rock, but it's just replete with a lot of content. And even the content can be broken down into several buckets. And so I thought through that. And now that it's been, you know, seven, eight years, I thought, I, I think I could actually not only deconstruct the thing and make three, four books out of it, but now it'll make it a little bit more relevant. I can add in some stories of some of these companies, these brands that I've just fallen madly in love with. And so yeah. that was sort of the initial idea. Let me take my first book, break it down. And uh, this is the first one in that series of three that I've identified. And uh, hopefully I'll have one come out in the next, uh, next couple of years. Well, I was going to ask you later if uh, what's the future holds. So you've just answered that question. But I, I actually hear that a lot with people who are kind of first time authors, whereby initially you have this kind of crisis of confidence of I, one of I actually got a book here. And then you, you get down into the planning stage and actually you realize, wow, there's actually more content than perhaps I'd given myself credit for. Yeah. But then yeah as you as you say you, you then either the people are tra traumatized by that process because it's it's not easy to write a book you know you need discipline you need a plan and structure and all of these things and i'm sure i mean you're quite a confident guy but i'm sure there's also moments where you question am i doing the right thing here yeah no, there is i mean and i'm sure every author first time author at the very least will go through that and and i probably even recognize that you know, I probably had too much stuff. There was probably a lot that was left on the floor. And, and you know, you never know how you're going to be as a writer in the first place. So thank goodness that there are people that are book architects and, and editors out there. They can help you, even ghost writers, if you wanted it, that could help you craft a story a lot better. But everybody's going to try and get you to say less words. You don't want to put too much in there. And so I think I was even cognizant a little bit that I probably had... Right too much stuff in there. And although it still reads well, I'm very proud of that book. I definitely didn't do it the right way. Like if I would have taken even your advice, your thought process, if you were in the middle of writing this, you could have said, you know what, I'm going to hold back on this. I'm going to write three or four books and release them over time. Like that would have been the smart thing to do to deconstruct it and go backwards is actually a monumental pain in the butt, but <laughs> it is what it is. 
you know, and I just, not just from a cultural standpoint, I think for this particular one around leadership, you know, and I still talk about culture. I put it in the context of culture, taking your brand's culture to 11 and amp up results. So I know there's a million leadership books out there, Phil. I just thought, let me put it in the context of what I'm already familiar with. And at least in this first of three books, I will still be able to define and and really get people to understand how can you maintain, enhance, or even you know, revolutionize a company's internal culture. That's what I wanted to focus my leadership approach on. Absolutely. And I, I think given the world we're currently occupying, I, the, the need for it is has never been greater. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I will say this. I, I don't know if it hits on all of those levers because I wrote it really for up and coming and new and even middle managers, middle leaders, if you will. You know, yeah. I, I just remember... I made the transition from staff to manager with, you know, a, a little bit of some obstacles, some roadblocks along the way. And there's not a lot of great training, a lot of good education for people in any industry, but even in mine, which was food and beverage, that was my background to go mm. from being an hourly paid employee to, to now managing people like that. Taking on major responsibilities is, is huge. If you don't have a lot of, uh, a mentorship or leadership that can guide you. You're just sort of winging it. You're figuring it out on your own. And so I thought from a leadership standpoint, are there some things that I could put into place that I would recognize that would at least be key concepts, key elements that would help out a leader as they were making that transition. So that that's where I wrote the book, not necessarily, which I think was where your, your point was being made, it certainly isn't going to be leaders of countries or even CEOs and founders of, of companies. I think if they read it, I think they'll go, wow, this is great for my people and, and get it for all the frontline workers. But it might not necessarily be at the, the highest level. And I did that on purpose so that I could reach more people that really need the help of jumping into leadership. Yeah, I, I actually I, I'm completely on board with that, and I, I think the you're, I love a sports analogy, and I always look to to like you look to music. I always look to sport as as my business kind of go to place, and a lot of the elite sports teams will have you know a captain who is recognised as being the captain. Yeah, but the vast majority also have vice captains if you want to call them that they maybe call them something something different so really what you've got is a series of leaders in key positions within the team um so that you know for if for whatever reason who knows that maybe the captain gets injured so but there's somebody ready and willing to kind of step in and i think that's the kind of the point that I, i was trying to make in in the sense of it's it's not so much around country leadership and and big game leadership it is just a need for more people with leadership capability to be able to to make that step up if they if they need to to make it in the event that you know maybe leadership is failing in some way in their organization or it's just not focusing on a particular part of their business you then need other people to go not just go well that's not my job so I'm not going to get involved actually I'm going I want to take ownership of this and I want to make sure that we come out better 
No doubt. That that's a great way of looking at it. And again, I think from a sports analogy standpoint, and I look at that as well. I use the language of having promotable people on your team. You have to. And and yeah. you know, I get it. I, I I get that it's it's cool to have some fresh blood and to have people come from the outside. I don't know what the perfect mix is, you know, from internal hires to external hires. What would be better for your company? I remember working when I was at Hard Rock we for the longest time never hired anybody from the outside. All of our managers and leaders were homegrown. They were all internally promoted, but then you kind of get what you've always got and you've got to have some seasoned experienced people that will come in and help you out. So mm. at some point it, it goes 90%, 10% and then 80, 20, and it starts to get smaller. And I'm sure some people would say 50, 50 would be perfect. And, and I guess here's my point. If you have to go to the outside, to go find some leader to take over a department, some position, a, a branch, a company, whatever it is, well, then shame on you if you have to do it. You should choose to do it, but if you don't have anybody internally ready to go, ready to take on more responsibilities, then shame on you. We haven't done a very good job of internally promoting or at least getting them ready. And so yeah. I think that's that's kind of the the, the mindset. So I'm glad that you put it in that perspective because I wanted to provide some very fundamental but powerful leadership skill building, if you will. And, and it does with all the music orientation and the rock and roll flavor and all of that stuff, right? Yeah. This is a how-to leadership book. It does have very, you know, meaty takeaways. And I just think it it provides an edutaining way to to grow your own leadership skill set because in lieu of leadership, you're going to have to lead. And if I could give you a few suggestions and ideas and best practices to get you to where you can start taking on those responsibilities, then we've won. I don't have to go to the outside. I'm choosing to do that just because I think it's healthy for the business. Absolutely. And by the the same token then, because this is a kind of one of the age old arguments around leadership, are leaders born or are they made? I've always gone on the side of made because I think there are skills that you can learn. I think you you have to be willing to learn them. That's the key thing. And that starts with, you know, leading yourself. Yep. I, I, I've heard that analogy before that there are natural born leaders out there. I just don't believe it. I think there are natural born people that have talent. I think they have, you know, the, the, the ability to stand in front of somebody and maybe inspire and motivate them, maybe because of their background or even some of their language. But I've said this every single speaking engagement that I've ever done, and I truly believe this. I think that all behaviors are learned behaviors. You learn yeah. everything. You learn everything from your parents, from school, from your friends, from the playground, from religion, from lack of religion, whatever it is. By the time you come to me, just as a 19-year-old kid wanting a job, you are the way you are. And if your natural disposition isn't to smile or, 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 you know, look people in the eye or even have a great personality around people that that's going to be a problem for me. And, and I used to think I was a pretty good trainer, but I can tell you for a fact, I cannot train you to smile. I've tried, I've tried really hard, not you, Phil, but I'm saying in no, no, general, no. <laughs> I've tried to give people a personality and it just you either got it or you don't. And so all this, this baggage of sometimes two decades before you get to being an employee, if you're not willing to bring that type of mentality that is that is critical, that is sorely needed right now in almost every industry, then that's going to be an issue. And so I think to your point, I, I don't think 
leaders are are born. I think they might have that natural talent, but I think that you have all of this awesomeness that occurs before you get to the point that you take on some responsibility. And hopefully somebody saw that in you and gave you an opportunity. They gave you the keys to take a chance and to lead a business or lead some people or, or department or whatever it is. I think it is absolutely learned behavior. And I'm never going to come off of that. That's just, that's the school teacher in me, the trainer in me. Now there's so many people that I look at to go, the only reason they are where they are is because of all this great background of, of value orientation that were embedded in them from so many other places. Yeah, I, I'm on exactly the same page. I, I think as well that there's so many circumstances whereby you take somebody who is a, a great leader in one particular environment and then take them out of that and put them into uh, a different environment it doesn't necessarily then translate that they're going to be a great leader there so there's so many little elements that play their part in what makes somebody a great leader Uh, and uh, environment's a massive part of that I think I agree totally 100% and then culture as well you know I, I know you've spoken about this before around the fact that you know, you, you take a leader out of one company that had a particular culture and they take that leadership style from that culture into another place that's got a completely different culture. And it's going to be a completely different set of leadership skills that they need. It is. And again, I think when it comes to culture, I mean, if you believe in, in the definition, there's so many because it's such a nebulous esoteric concept. So everybody's got an opinion as to what that is. And as soon as we even say the word culture, people just have so many different you know connotations that come up in their head. I just believe it's a collection of people. It's a, you know, organizationally, at least it is a collection of human beings with with behaviors that we just talked about. Some of those behaviors are awesome and some I'm not so much, but whoever's in the business at that time, that is your company culture. I mean, I will tip my hat. I'll give a nod to the heritage and the past and all the things that came before. But the reality is whoever is in your business at the time, that is going to make up your culture. And so I think you really have to pay attention these days, which by the way, isn't easy because for the most part in a lot of countries, there is still a lot of unemployment out there and it's tough filling some positions, but quite honestly, you've got to do your level best to hire and retain the absolute best talent rock stars that I say, if you can get that part right, then you're going to have a fantastic culture. I don't care what your product or your process or your leadership or your tools or collateral or whatever you want to bring to the party. Even if you're first to the market, it just, it's not sustainable unless you have fundamentally great people. And I think this applies even if it's online or on the phone or an in-person business, even in the world of what I do get pushback quite a bit now in the world of, of robotics and AI and, and technology, even that there's still an end user. You still have internal customers you still have to think about having the right people in the right place and you're going to have the great culture. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I couldn't, I could not agree with you more. I mean, it's that old quote, which I think was in your first book, actually culture eats strategy for breakfast. It is uh, from P- Peter Drucker. That's a classic, but I, you know, I, I think anybody who's ever tried to, to build a business would fundamentally agree that it's, it's great to have a strategy. No question. Yeah. But the strategy is pointless if you've not got people to back it up. That's right. That's right. And I think that was really the the core essence of my first book, Culture That Rocks. And now I think for this one, again, if you're thinking about it as how do I manage and maintain or even change the culture from a leadership standpoint, 
I would say the core message in this one is any leader at any level can amp up a company's culture, you know, and even perhaps be the catalyst for change to completely overhaul it, completely revolutionize it if it's needed. Any person, it doesn't matter, can start the revolution. And that's how, you know, countries with dictators are overthrown. That's how, you know, philanthropic movements are started. That's how companies change their culture. Somebody's got to have the idea and the will and and the the oomph, you know, to, to get in there. Sometimes being a bull in the China shop, but you can absolutely make the change. And so as I go through the core elements of what the book is about, that's probably the singular message that should come out of it. Yeah. Well, I, the um, let's let's delve into the, the book in a bit more depth because I'm conscious that I've actually taken you really into culture again yeah um rather than focusing on on this book but maybe that gives it context into how we to we move it forward so that's sure. going to be that's going to be the excuse i'll tell myself yes <laughs> um, <as> a, <laughs> um but yeah i mean even the um even the chapters in in the book have lovely musical connotations again sound check is the opening kind of forward i suppose you'd call it yep. uh, setting the stage rock bands and business brands I mean, it's it's awesome, but um, but talk us through kind of what people can expect uh, when they pick up the book. Yeah, so I think um, again, there, there's I, I don't know if people would recognize it, other than the fact I actually write it in the front part in the narrative to let them know this is part of a series. It's one of three, and so since I am deconstructing that first one. I didn't want to just go right down the middle of the plate and talk about leadership. Again, the context is how do you lead to create this awesome culture or to fix it or whatever it is. So yeah. I had to once again reintroduce the definition of culture. So I will say that the start of the book, you know, I wanted people to understand that culture exists and it's predicated on human behaviors. And here's a definition. So I start with that mentality. But the the key concepts really are around Again, what would I think a new up and coming leader would need to know? So one of those is how can you become a catalyst for change? You know, that if you actually want to change the culture, here are some things that you could do to, to start right away to either invite yourself to the party or start managing the, the responsibilities that you have and just crush those with excellence and you will get recognized. So those are sort of the initial concepts, but I do start getting into things like, you know, leaning into uh, personal culture shifts, which I sort of define as life's inflection points. You know, these things that happen in your world and it throws you down a different rabbit hole, if you will. And so as yeah. long as you have the mindset of things happening to you, which is what a lot of people have versus happening for you, which is my mindset, you look at things differently. Instead of all this crap that happens in your life and it forces you to think differently, I embraces. I embellish those. Like I, I, I grab a hold of those and embrace it and say, this is so awesome. What is going on right now? Because I look at it as an opportunity to make things better. So instead of looking at things happening to you, looking at things happening for you. So that's, that's sort of a mindset, if you will. So I do spend some time talking about that. I love that. I absolutely love that. I, it's a, a saying that I've kind of had in my head for such a long time is that and this has been especially prevalent for me as I went the wrong side of 40. I'm gonna, I've got to stop saying the wrong side of 40. I'm the right side of 40. Yeah, now. you are. Embrace yeah, it, yeah, brother. I, absolutely. But it, it's. Um, I still don't know to this day whether I'm happening to life or whether life is happening to me. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I'm 100% cool with that now. I never used to be. 
Um, I always wanted to push. I always wanted to be like, you know, let's take control and let's, you know, make sure that we go off and do this and, and all of that sort of thing. But now kind of just let stuff happen. And, um, and I, I, you know, I definitely don't get caught up in, in the kind of the nitty gritty of, is this, is this good? Is this bad? If it feels right, I'm going to do it. I love it. Well, and, and so you're sort of proving the point. I, and by the way, I believe that you are happening to life. I think you get to choose and decide, although, there are people that are in some crazy, unfortunate circumstances. And I get that, you know, in where you're born and, and sort of the, the, the societal norms that are in your particular market, again, totally understand it, but people do break out of it. People do think differently. People do act and behave and not just go, woe is me. It is what it is. So I'm a total glasses, half full type of person. And Again, I think this mindset, if, if a, somebody taking on a role in a leadership position, if they can come to the, the table with that mindset, I think you've got a better shot at not letting things bollocks you up. It's not going to freak you out when things happen. You look at it as an opportunity. It's a layer. You know, if I can quote Shrek, you know, it's like onion. <laughs> you know, it, 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 Please it, do quote, quote Shrek. Yes, Shrek. I should do it in his language if I could do impressions. But <laughs> I, I think you look at it as a layer to just get better. And then you start to look at some of these other concepts that I'll share, which are around developing, in my opinion, unparalleled work ethic. That, that you have this owner mindset. If you owned the business, if you started the thing, I think people would behave and act and think differently than if they're just showing up, making the donuts, punching a time clock. So in yeah. a leadership position, you were perhaps doing this, again, this this very team member oriented approach of uh, a position, but now you're going to manage dollars and manage a business and manage people. Well, if you act like you're the owner, I think you wind up having a work ethic that is just so crazy, unparalleled. And I use a lot of different examples of people in the book who I think do this very well. So that's another, another key concept. And, and even I would say critical decision-making, you know, and I, I put it in the framework of there's a time to be humble and, and to use humility. And there's a time to bring the thunder. Nice. And I've really come to appreciate people who don't say a lot and, and are, are, you know, sometimes in the corner, they sort of take it all in. They listen, they assess, they let everybody speak their piece first. And then when they do make some comment or some point or their opinion, people seem to pay way more attention to them. They don't say a lot, yeah. but when they do, it really resonates. But there is time to inspire and motivate. And and sometimes you do got to roll up your sleeves and, you know, you you bring in the brave heart moments where you really have to get people to to go uphill because they might not have done it on their own, which is a great definition of leadership, getting people to do the things that you need them to do that they might not have done on their own. And for me, yeah. Phil, it's a preordained result. Like I, in a lot of ways, know exactly what I need people to do. And I totally can't get the results on my own. I need, I need to turn around and have like the Verizon network with me going uphill. So, you know, there's a time for humility and a time to bring the thunder. And I think you've got to recognize as a leader, which of these levers do I pull? What's the moment right now that I need to to use to actually get the results I'm looking for? Yeah, and you absolutely, totally need to get that quote on a t-shirt. <laughs> yes, there's a time for humility and a time to bring the thunder. Yes, you know it's funny. I my business partner Brant Menswar and I we have a lot of uh, Jim and Brant isms. 
and to the point that we were going to uh, we, we were going to write a book called called Thoughts That Rock. We thought it would be cool to have all these things in there, sort of like a you know each day a, a different affirmation, three hundred and sixty five you know daily affirmation type of things. But it would be our stuff. Yeah, yeah. And we wrote it overnight in an airport. And uh, we got about halfway through and then we ran out of stuff. And we're like, oh, man, we only have like 150. We need a whole lot more. But we were laughing about it. Instead of it being a book, we came up with two ideas. We said, listen, we should take our best of and put it on T-shirts and sell it in an e-commerce site, which we may still do one day. But yeah. that's the impetus of what became our podcast. We thought, let's have not just our thoughts that rock. Let's have other people. And so that's the whole idea now when you listen to that platform we always have a guest who will share their thought that rocks their ism their idea and we usually come behind it with either one of our own or one that we have just fallen in love with over the years so it's yeah. funny that you say that because i do think there might be some t-shirts but to sort of have those you know humility or or bring the thunder those type of dichotomies on a t-shirt yes i want to do that but it also has become a business for us which is hilarious yeah, <laughs> but you know, this is one of the, the wonderful things I love about business is that the uh, ideas just come from everywhere, don't they? Yeah, and uh, you know, the the talent is actually being able to see that and um, and go actually that can be that's something to either park now and explore later. That's something that adds value to what I'm doing now, so I'm going to do it now, etc., uh, etc. Et and it's um, I, I I'm I don't think you see as much of this when you're when you're an employee, uh, I've noticed it uh, as a business owner now for six and a half years. I see opportunity everywhere. Yeah. But the problem is, is that um, you know you you've still got to put food on the table. You and, do. Um, uh, and focus on the thing that drives you. Well, it's the difference between people that are working, like you said, in a job right now. They've got a career and they've got to put food on the table. But in their heart of hearts, they really want to do their own thing. And, mm. and it's tough to, to be an entrepreneur. It's tough to jump off and be a, your, your own boss. But I believe that that is so prevalent today and it's so possible for others. You know, at some point, if you ever wanted to make that leap, it's scary as all get out, but it is so well worth it. So, you know, I do hope there are people that are listening in your audience that, you know, they might be in one place right now, but maybe over the course of the next year, have an exit strategy and start thinking, I want a louder voice. I'd like to make a bigger impact, or I'd like to try this because the reality is, especially these days, you can always find another gig, especially if yeah. you're a rock star. If you're actually worth your weight at all, rock stars can always get another gig. It's not a problem for them. So I encourage yeah. people to take a, a, a chance and uh, and make the leap because, you know, the water's warm out here, man. It's fun. It's fun being an entrepreneur, isn't it? Oh, I, it's very difficult to imagine a, a, a life any different anymore, to be honest. And it's not just from the, the core business that I do, but it is, as, as discussed, it's just having that moment of seeing opportunity and going, okay, well, let's let's spend an hour exploring that. Yeah. And uh, and see if it has legs. And if it doesn't, no no drama. We'll, we'll, we'll crack it on and wait for the... Uh, the next one to come, there was actually, uh, we, you and I were talking before the um, we turned the microphone on about uh, we're recording this on the 18th of August and tonight's episode of Hospitality Meets that's going out uh, into the stratosphere has a, a an old uh, Scottish hotelier who's a bit of a legend in those parts of the world. Uh, and he had a wonderful quote on that, which I made a note of, which was always make time to dream, mm. um, you know, and I, you can package that up in different ways i've always looked at it as a way that you've always got to 
find time to inspire yourself. Yeah. And whether that comes through music or whether it comes from watching movies or whether it's, you know, watching an inspirational talk on TED or or whatever. And by the way, I'm talking about TED Talks, not yeah. the little fluffy <laughs> not the foul mouthed teddy bear. <laughs> then, uh, you know, I, I find that massively important. And that's now part of my daily regime is that I will spend time inspiring myself somehow because, uh, you know, because you've got to get that part of your, your brain whirring, I think. Yeah, I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. Well, this has never happened before. I've kind of taken us off topic uh, again. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. Actually, I mean, this is the way it's supposed to go is it leads into to, to so many other things. And I, I know that I shared... I don't know, four or five different concepts. I will say my favorites really get to be near the end of the book. I talk about, you know, two things. I had a, I had two friends that wrote two different books separated by like 10 years. Uh, one was my friend, Susan Steinbrecher. She wrote a book with Stephen Covey and it was called heart centered leadership. And then I have another friend named Tommy Spaulding who wrote a book around heart led leader, you know, and how do you become that? And I took some of those elements because I'm a huge fan of becoming heart centered. And I think, you know, there's, there needs to be a little bit more love in the world right now. And I I am blown away that there are still, there are still bosses, there are still companies, there's still some industries out there that, that manage through this. I'm going to muscle the result. I can make things happen. And you know, I'm just, I'm doing everything in my power to sort of expose people that, that love to manage through threats and punishment and fear, which by the way, you know, we've probably all worked for somebody like that. And I certainly did 30, 40 years ago. You know, we've got to eliminate that mindset. You can't muscle the result anymore. You've got to look for ways to not just teach and communicate, uh, you know, and, and sort of help people get the job done. It really does have to now be with kindness and to inspire them and to motivate them and to coach them. And if you're not doing these things, then people are ultimately going to leave. And and I think, you know, if I could share some best practices and, and, and teach these up and coming and new and middle managers to just love on people more. Oh my gosh, what a, what, a, what a totally different culture it would be and what a different life Absolutely. people would be leaving. So I, I just, um, you know, that, that has really resonated with me and I'm not sure I always believe that I always want to be kind to people, but I know even with hard rock, you know, it, our founders were very good about mixing spirituality and business. And a lot of people think those two can't mix, but there are a lot of companies that are now exuding that and saying, oh, it is possible. And love is going to be at the center of our business. So, you know, that, that one's a key concept. And then probably my greatest point that I love. It's, it's actually my favorite chapter is chapter eight, which is mentorship is instrumental. You know, I do talk about how can you engage in mentorship, both having some in your life, but also mentoring other people. And, and I say this because I guess when I was writing the book, I was all about saying, you need to find some mentors and and there's five different types that I now believe in. And I really, I segment those out. You know, I believe it's internal, external, peer, personal, and reverse. And I could talk about each of those, but, but even the reverse one, meaning, you know, the fact that you're mentoring other people is one thing, but, but, you know, having mentors in your life and having that go reciprocal both ways is so huge. And as I was writing the book, I found a statistic that 70% of the top executives of these successful fortune 500 companies will absolutely swear that they only got to where they are because of mentorship. 
70%. Yeah. And, you know, by the way, when people start to throw out statistics, you know, we make up stats like 82% of the time, right? This is an actual statistic. I'm like, 70%? That blows my mind. And and I just, 70% can't be wrong. It just, it makes me think that I've got to get about finding mentors, at least in these five areas that I thought about. And they should know that. And we should have a relationship around it. But I just, I'm at the point where I, I I believe mentorship is perhaps the greatest level of leadership that there is. Uh, I, uh, once again, I, I'm, I'm struggling to disagree. I think that the, the world perception is that, you know, people who have gone on to become CEOs and founders of incredibly successful companies were, you know, they had all the skills on day one and they just went off and did this amazing thing, but nothing could be further from the truth. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, I think the difference is, is that they're just, they're comfortable with failure and they're comfortable that that's going to happen and, and just get, get on it and get over it and get past it as, as quickly as you can and take the learning and move forward. And that's, you know, I, I think a, a fantastic leadership quality, but you have got to back that up as you were coming back to your point about not not leading through muscle, uh, as it were, and through threat. That's not even leadership, really, right. is it? Anyway, it's uh, dictatorship and and management through fear, I suppose. And it still exists too. I mean, it really does yeah. blow my mind when I find these people. I'm like, how is this possible? How has this person I, not totally. been voted off the island yet? <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, indeed. No, absolutely. And, it, and you know, it, it it just comes back to a very simple human value of respect i mean you know ultimately if you respect the the human that you're dealing with in any form then you know that goes a hell of a long way it does you know you respect what they've got going on in their life respect that they've got a gap in their skill to get to the level that they want to get to etc etc and just you know and obviously that goes two ways you know it's uh, it's not just about one way uh, respect but it, yeah it's a it i I'm completely with you. It amazes me. And even on the back of the the year that we've all had surrounding the the impacts on our, all of our lives around COVID, you know, whether that's health or economic or, or whatever, you know, it, it amazes me that there are companies out there who have just got back on the horse as it used to be. There's no learning taken from the, uh, the experience that, you know, we, from a hospitality perspective, we find ourselves in the UK in a bit of a, a, a muddle at the moment because there there's massive reports of uh, you know staff shortages. Yeah. So the least you can do is create an environment where people want to come work, and not only that, but do their best work. Yeah. You know, don't get in their way. And I just I don't get it. I don't understand it. Um, and it is I suppose it comes back to the, there are still people in leadership positions and i use that in inverted commas that are using it as a position of power as opposed to a position to do some good yeah and i'm with you i think that the very first lockdown and i know in the uk you guys have gone through a couple of those now it does Mm. i remember that there were some businesses that just were completely locked down for about 16 18 months here in the states and I'm, I'm with you. I, I would, it would blow my mind that I would then go where they finally reopened. I'd go and have an experience there that was just not that great. And it was usually, yeah. again, not because of the thing, not the stuff, you know, this restaurant and, and some places where hotels as well, where nobody was, was moving at blazing speed. There was no sense of urgency. There was no attention to detail, no smiles on people's faces. And I go, 
how is this possible? You've barely existed. You, you made it through, but you barely existed for a year and a half. And now I'm willing to give you money, my disposable income. And yet I don't feel really that appreciated. And you know who I blame is not even the person on the front line. I blame the boss. I blame the leader. Whoever's yeah. working that shift or running that business, I blame them. And the ones that are just crushing it, that actually are, are pre-COVID financially back to you know, whatever their financial numbers were, I give the the leadership all the credit in the world. I just think, you know, the ones that were great, ironically, are the ones that just sort of propelled themselves to the iconic level, right? And the ones that were already a little bit, uh, you know, on the edge and maybe even just ensconced in mediocrity, guess what? They were exposed. They were unmasked. And now they're going to struggle coming out of this thing. So yeah. I, I think, you know, if there was anything positive that came out of this, um, it really is that you, you probably now have a white hot spotlight shining on the rock star brands that you always loved anyway. And it gives opportunity for so many others. You can totally leapfrog all of your competitors. If all you did was just focus a little bit more on the leadership. And then that leads into the great culture and service and engagement, which, which by the way, are the next couple books for me. I mean, this first one was on leadership that rocks, but Next year will be service that rocks. And uh, then in 2023 will be engagement that rocks, which is all about, you know, creating that, that team member culture from, from an internal below the surface standpoint. Fantastic. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that um, as to whether we were allowed to know what was coming. Um, or... <laughs> yes. It's not a big secret. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, in the book, I, I have actually created the covers and the titles already. So I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sort of already handcuffed. Like I can't change anything at this point because I've already locked those in, but uh, it definitely will be. Pressure, isn't it? <laughs> yes. It's, you know, and again, for me, these, these main tenants were already in my first book. So I knew that I had several chapters on service, customer service, guest service in our world and hospitality. And I had several chapters on how to hire and and retain great people. And so those next couple of books, next year's will be Service at Rocks, Create Unforgettable Experiences and Turn Customers into Fans. And then the next year will be Engagement at Rocks, Recruit and Retain Chart-Topping Talent. And what's great about that is some people may not need the leadership book. They don't need the overarching culture book. They just want the one book. And as a speaker, that helps me quite a bit because there are companies that just hire me for just a singular speech. That's yeah. all they want. That's their key focus. They've got issues going on this year. It might be around customer service or their leadership that's going on or hiring and, 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 uh, and, and letting people go. Like all of that stuff now gives them a singular collateral, singular product that they can focus on. And Hey, listen, if it's, if it's good and it resonates with them, they can come back to the well and, and get more or hire me the following year. And that's sort of the, the name of the game. Yeah. But I, I suppose this is a, an evolutionary process for a business in any case. And then within that, their culture, you know, if they are, and maybe this is going to happen more in the, in the short term is that you will have businesses that are, and I'm putting myself into the shoes of hospitality businesses again, whereby you've reopened after a long period of lockdown, perhaps you're having to run at 75% staffing level versus, you know, what you would ideally look to, to do. And therefore you're going to need to have a lot more focus on one, supporting the people that are in your business, but two, developing those leaders within your business. Yes. Um, exactly. And, uh, and therefore, you know, you, you create a much stronger environment 
which which has got less stress. Uh, everybody there is then more kind of got each other's back approach to it rather than, you know, as we discussed earlier on, just coming in, do my shift and get out here as quickly as I can. And that's what you want to, that's what you really want to create if you're you're to kind of develop stability and, and help your business move forward. You got it, man. Look, look where, where's your book? Where's your hospitality that rocks book? <laughs> Come on, man. You no, I can't it. take that rocks. That's your thing, man. I need my own. I need my own thing. I, Listen, um, if you yeah. write it and take all the heavy lifting off, I'll 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 put my name on the cover and, and, uh, yeah. and you and I <laughs> can ride off into the sunset together. <laughs> yeah, I'll just have to learn how to become a speaker uh, yes. as well. But, hey, you're um, already doing awesome, man. I, I love your show, and you've had some great guests on it. It's uh, it's always a pleasure being here, my friend. Uh, wicked. Yeah, well, I'll have you back when the, the next book's done. What, what's the, the sh- scheduling around the, the following books? Well, you know, I've had some things that have uh, gone on this year, so I've delayed a little bit. It takes me about four or five months um, to really g- get the thing done where I've got it in a in a final standpoint before we can go to print. So I'm a little bit behind on it. I'll probably have something by the end of the year, but in people's hands, probably the same timeline. I enjoyed rolling this last book out in May. So if it all works out, I would think Service at Rocks will launch in May of uh, 2022, and then Engagement at Rocks would be May of 2023. My problem is I've got I, I cannot sit here and just write in my home office. Like I need a view, so I call in some favors. I'm always looking for a lake house, a mountain house, a beach house. I got to be by myself for a week somewhere beautiful. So I start calling in favors, and those are and becoming far and few between right now. Yeah, you, you've cashed them all in. Um, I'm sure I know somebody in Scotland that that owns a castle. Yeah. You you got a castle with a view. I'm all in. Let's make that happen. I'll take that in a heartbeat. (laughs) But I I totally get it. As, as a wannabe writer myself, and I've uh, initiated a, a, um, a book around kindness and it is, it's, it's tough to sit in the place where you work normally and get creative and get, you know, get the flow going without, you know, getting sidetracked or, or whatever. And I, I find that even if I set aside the specific time, right. I, you know, between 5 PM and 7 PM is going to be my writing time. It's the time where my, my creative brain comes alive. And, but even then, you know, I, I, I find that it's not, I need some, well, it comes back to inspiration. I yeah. need to feel, yeah, whatever it is that I need to feel. So I, I kind of, I get the desire to just head away, head down different space, different mindset i suppose it um, is. by changing your environment yeah and and i can't complain i mean i'm in florida so it, it's usually sunny here i've got coffee shops i could go to the beach i could find some places but there's nothing better than going somewhere where it's totally designed in such a way that you're locked down you're by yourself for a week and sometimes the first day is reading what you wrote the last time, like wherever you left off yeah. and it takes you a while to get back into it. But then the next four five, six days that, that, that time is like liquid gold for me to actually pump out great quality products. So, you know, it's going to come up. I just, uh, my head, my head wasn't into it right this moment. And I had some things going on and we're launching some cool things in our other businesses. So that, that seems to be top priority right now, but, uh, I'll have something coming out and I rest assured by mid 2022 we'll have the next one out so i appreciate you asking my friend no worries and uh yeah well i'll book you in for for june next year then perfect and we can and we can <laughs> we can have another chat I'd love uh, it. around that one no i look you're um 
it, the funny thing is, is that I, I wouldn't have gotten to know you if it hadn't been for this podcast. So this this podcast has been a, a wonderful thing in my life for all of the the interesting people that it, it it's put me in front of. And um, I am a, a massive fan of the work that you do. Oh, I um, I wish you were in this part of the world. I'd, I'd, I'd pay big money to come and see you perform. I think you're uh, uh, you you've really found the subject that you care a lot about and i think that that's that comes across in the in the quality of your work so no, i man. uh i salute you that means a lot i i really really appreciate it you know and i'm looking for an opportunity to come over there it's uh i just saw our friends at exp 101 are looking to start their events back and i think they've got something yeah. announced and maybe it doesn't happen with this one but i think our goal is to to have me come over there you know once you know if it's not once a year but once every other year but I just need an excuse. I need some sort of a speaking engagement, something to happen over there. We'll organize it, but somehow, some way I'll be over there and we'll meet in real life. You know, we've yeah. seen each other through uh, zoom calls and certainly on the podcast, but it's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. I'm not, I'm not worried about that at all, but man, your comments, they, they mean so much to me that that rocks my world. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. And I, you know, I, I, I am happy to do a, a, a podcast that just blows smoke up people's backsides. So, um, <laughs> It's no, hey, but it's I, I good on I, my I, end too. Let me tell you. <laughs> no, but genuinely, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask you on if I didn't feel that you had uh, some some very important things to say. And you never disappoint. You're uh, once again, you've come out with some gold today, and I'm delighted to hear that that there's potentially a, a t-shirt business in the offing. Yes, uh, as well. Like That's printed. I'm, I, you, as soon as they come off the silk screen, you get the first one. Fantastic. Stick me on the mailing list. Perfect. For sure. Um. Excellent. Well, uh, where can people? I mean, it's probably pretty obvious where people can get a copy of the of the book. But but where can they get a copy of the book? Yeah, actually, in two places. So if, if they are just sort of um, Google the book itself, they'll find there's two places. You can go to leadershipthatrocksbook.com. dot com. That one's kind of long, but it's just about the book on that one. But I yeah. really send everybody to Night Speaker. That's my last name, K N I G H T Nightspeaker dot com. Cause you can see everything there. My speaking gigs, there's uh, videos of me on there. You can see all the different products that I sell, the podcast, the training that we do. So it's a little bit more robust if you go to nightspeaker.com, but uh, you know, th- those are, those are two easy ones. Fantastic. Excellent. And I will just bring, bring us back to end on a positive note because you said you're a glass half full kind of guy. Yeah. Which I, well, I always used to, to use this, terminology glass half full but actually if you think about it that's not very positive it's, it's really uh, not it's just half full yeah. right that's yeah it. absolutely so i've always classed myself as a glass eight tenths full and uh, and the reason why i'm not ten tenths full is because it's always nice to get your glass topped up when you least expect it. yes yes and there's always room for improvement you can always add more <laughs> yeah i like it absolutely very good i'm going to put that on my own t-shirt yes <laughs> Excellent. Jim, thank you very much for spending some time again with uh, with us. And um, yeah, well, we'll keep in touch anyway and um, look forward to our next Conflab. Love it. Thanks, Phil. I appreciate a bunch. Rock on. You too, man. Cheers. And there we have it. I hope you agree that spending time with Jim is absolutely time well spent. He definitely brings the energy and joy to talking about leadership. We'll be back next Wednesday with more amazing career stories from hospitality. But until then, don't forget to like, share and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.